If I gave you $100 right now and you had to say he will eclipse five, six in his career, yes or no, which side would you bet on? Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. Today is Wednesday, January 4th. We hope that you're having a terrific week as we are leading into the national championship. We're just a few days away now, just five days. The week's flying by. It'll be here before we know it. Just two days from now, I'll be on a plane to Los Angeles. Kubiak and Foster will be out there as well. And we're all going to have a good old-fashioned kumbaya at the national championship venue. It's going to be phenomenal. Can't wait to be there. That's for sure. It will be here in no time whatsoever. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Helps the show out. Helps us out. And we look forward to continuing to bring you unparalleled access there leading up to the national championship. Already starting to get some guests lined up to join us that weekend and the days and hours leading up to the game itself. You're not going to be disappointed. I think you're going to love what we have in store for you. We have a great game plan today. We're obviously going to talk about the national championship, but we're going to go into a different layer. We're going to talk about Georgia. We're going to talk about Kirby Smart. Tell you what this might mean for Georgia if they pull off the consecutive championships. Kind of put things in perspective a little bit with Kirby, what it means for his legacy, what it means for Georgia, and all these other things. Yesterday was kind of dedicated to TCU. We had Sonny Dykes on the show. We couldn't get Kirby, so we figured we might as well talk about his legacy. And since he said, since he wouldn't come on the show, we're just going to trash it. No, I'm just kidding. We love Kirby, and we're happy for Kirby, and we look forward to seeing his team compete on Monday. But without much further ado, it's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. In order to properly sum up what it is that Kirby Smart's accomplished already, granted, he's been there a while. He's been there for seven years, and boy, does time fly. He's been in the national championship game on a few different occasions, 2017, obviously, coming this close to potentially winning the national championship, and then, of course, finally getting over the hump there in 2021 and winning it with the most talented roster, or at least arguably the most talented roster we've seen in the modern era. Think about where they're at this year. Let's first talk about what was lost off of last year's team and why I think this ultimately kind of provided the correct recipe to ultimately put Georgia over the top. You know, you look at last year, 2022 draft, first school in NFL draft history to have five defensive players selected in the first round in a single year. 
And by the way, you can make a very strong case that maybe their best player, Nicobe Dean, fell and tumbled all the way down into the mid into the mid eighties. So they had eight guys go in the top ninety picks on that side of the ball. Just a ridiculous layers and layers and layers of quality scattering the roster. And you think about too the guys that are playing on this particular team that were starting starters last year or contributors last year. Jalen Carter comes to mind. Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, handful of others, bunch of guys that played a decent amount of snaps, but really not that many to the point in which they got the credit they probably deserve. 15 total selections in the NFL draft off of last year's team. That's tied for the third most ever by any school in draft history and also the most by any school in the seven rounds, that's you know the format that they've adopted recently, all time. The 15 selection are also the most by reigning national champion in the common draft era. So you think about all the things that were lost off last year's team, only to see this year's team come back and maybe be stronger. That's what's insane about where they're at. And honestly, what's crazy is that Kirby has already established this program. Think about all those departures, and yet in the preseason. Had you picked Georgia to win the national championship, had you decided to put $100 down, had you decided to put $1,000 down, $10 down, I don't care. It was paying four to one, which is the third shortest odds in the entire country. All right. Now, obviously, the other side of things with TCU, very much the opposite. They were five and seven last year, and they're 200 to one to win the title according to Caesar Sportsbook, entering the season. So you had a team that was 4-1, to one, and then you have a team that was 200-1. to one, So it is very much a David versus Goliath approach. But let's think about for a moment just where Kirby is and the program that he's put together. And if they win on Monday, we'll obviously be able to have a totally different conversation about where he stacks up, where the program stacks up. But we all know the last time a team went back-to-back was in 2011 and 2012. That was Alabama. It's been a while since we've seen someone even come close to the point in which they could win back-to-back national championships. But Georgia, according to Sports Source Analytics, they have only one first-year transfer on the roster that went through the portal. That's tied for the fourth-fewest in the FBS. The only schools with fewer first-year transfers are the service academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force. That means that Georgia built this roster from high school recruiting. You think about that. Army, Navy, and Air Force, they all have zero. Okay, the only others that didn't take transfers, Georgia, they took one. Clemson, we all know Dabo Sweeney's been outspoken about his... He doesn't want to take transfers. He's not really welcoming that. They brought in one. Stanford brought in one. We all know the challenges surrounding Stanford. In order to transfer to Stanford, you have to first apply to Stanford. If you get in in one of their graduate programs, then maybe, just maybe, they'll accept you. Then you can transfer after the fact, but you have to start the process before you even enter the portal because it's like a six-month process. And then Iowa. Those are four teams that are all tied with just one transfer that are currently starting on the roster just goes to show you how this program was built and then when you think about where they're at they have put together looking at Georgia's roster and ultimately Kirby Smart is defined like his the guy he learned from Nick Saban he's defined by what he does from a high school recruiting standpoint he's defined by the culture that he creates by the competition he creates in 
and amongst the players on his roster. So you think about his roster for a second, think about how they've recruited. 2022 roster, 64 players on Georgia's roster were either four or five-star recruits. That's third most in all of college football. They have one transfer, that's 125th. So you think about it, it's almost exclusively created with players that were homegrown and developed within the program with the culture that has been created over the course of several years. And that's where they're at right now. But let's think about what a championship would mean for him. You think about what he accomplished and think about just how close he was to winning it in his second year at Georgia. Had he won it in 17, had he won it again in 21, then he's potentially winning the trifecta here in 22. Where would he be as far as the upper echelon all time of great coaches? He'd be in, I mean, amongst the best ever. Because you really think about it, man. You look at the coaches that have won multiple national championships. There's a lot fewer than you think. A lot fewer than you think. Now, everybody is probably going to be held at the standard that Nick Saban's created. Everyone's going to be held at the standard that Bear Bryant created before him. Seven national championships, six national championships, but you realize how few and far between people, coaches, players, anyone that wins multiple national championships, you realize how hard that is to get to the top of college football? It's almost impossible. And to think he's been able to do it in seven short years tells you all you need to know. Let's think about it. Newt Rockney, uh, obviously Bear Bryant, Nick Saban. All these guys won multiple national championships. Tom Osborne, uh, you know, uh, Woody Hayes, Bernie Bierman, who coached, by the way, at Minnesota, probably the first name you don't recognize. Frank Leahy, John McKay at USC, Howard Jones, who, of course, won several national championships with Yale, Urban Meyer, who won three national championships, two at Florida, one at Ohio State. But we're thinking about it, man. I mean, think about how great Tom Osborne was. Like an all-time great coach of our generation and obviously the previous generation as well. But he was the guy there for, what, 25 years or so? And he won three national championships. Think about how hard that is to do. Think about how hard it is to get to the top of college football. Barry Switzer's got three. Daryl Royal, he has three. Bud Wilkinson, he has three. Pop Warner, he has three. So we're talking about the greatest of all time. And the fact that Kirby Smart was a second and 26 conversion away from potentially already having two in the bag with the opportunity on Monday as a double-digit favorite to bring home his third championship. Y'all, we're talking about a guy that's not even 50 years old. We're talking about a guy that still has two or three seasons left before he turns 50. Now, I'm not suggesting that Kirby Smart's going to build a monster that rivals that of what was built at Alabama with both Bear Bryant and with Nick Saban. Those two combined for 13 national championships. But, I say this with a big capital B, but would you be willing to bet against him joining the likes of Nick Saban and Bear Bryant? Would you bet against it? If I gave you $100 right now and you had to say, he will eclipse five, six in his career? Yes or no? Which side would you bet on? Because if you look at what's been created 
and the culture that's been created. I know it's hard to win one. It's really hard to win one. It's especially difficult to win two. If he wins one on Monday, and Vegas seems to think that's entirely likely, then would you bet against him getting up there alongside Woody Hayes, him getting up there alongside John McKay, Frank Leahy, bon- uh, Bernie Bierman? Would you bet against him getting to five? At 47 years old with two in the bag and one that was this close to potentially come to fruition as well? I think you need to ask yourself that. We're talking about legitimate legacy. We're talking about legitimate, historically great coach if he's victorious on Monday with his second consecutive national championship. Mecker, I have to agree that like you have to put him up there because you, you mentioned Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne was at Nebraska for 20 years before he won his first one. You know, Kirby's been there and won him already back to back. We're looking at possibility of back to back. If he is getting this, and he's a Georgia alum, which why you think that, you know, he'll probably stick around at Georgia for a while. Say he does this. I mean, you mentioned five. The landscape of the SEC is going to shift dramatically when Oklahoma and Texas come in. Do you think he can keep this going looking forward and because he's built it from the ground up with recruiting? And answer me this. I think that he can sustain it to a certain Now, let's be real, man. It gets harder. The more you win, the harder it gets, I think, in some ways. Now, people will say that's impossible because guys want to win championships and guys are going to flock to your program in an effort to win a championship. And you'll be able to go in and you know handpick guys in the portal that can fortify your spots. Look at what George has already done in the portal this year. They went out and they recognized, hey, man, we need wide receivers. They go out and they get Dominic Lovett from Missouri. They go out and get Rara Thomas from Mississippi State, two of the better receivers in the SEC. They're going to Georgia next year. So yes, there you can attract talent more easily as you continue to succeed and excel. But when we expand to a 12-team playoff, Georgia, along with Alabama, along with Ohio State, these teams are going to have more time to be able to figure things out. And they might ultimately still have a chance at winning a championship with two or three losses in the loss column. So I think with the world expanding and the things changing, if you have a super talented roster in arguably one of the most talent-rich states in America and one of the most desirable conferences in America, you're going to be able to continue to put forth a terrific product on a week-to-week, year-to-year basis. Now, ultimately, if you had to bet on Kirby winning five or more, yes or no, I'd bet yes. Because I know Kirby. I know that he is one of those guys with a chip on his shoulder that's out to prove the world wrong. I think he's got a real chance to do it. I do. I think he's the closest thing to Saban that I've ever seen. But ultimately, longevity is massive. Urban Meyer, if he could maintain some longevity at Ohio State or elsewhere, do you think the circumstances would be different with him only having three? Probably. If he would have stayed at Florida, would he have more? Maybe. I don't know. But ultimately, longevity is significant, and there's a lot of factors that weigh in to whether or not you have it or not. But ultimately, I think Kirby is going to win a boatload of championships. He's going to have to play really well on Monday because I think TCU is legit. And we can, like I said, we can revisit this down the road, but it's worth kind of getting out in front of it. If he pulls this off on Monday and all signs at this point point to yes, he's going to be able to do it considering Vegas has them as a heavy favorite, then we're well on our way to watching one of the best that's ever done it at the prime of his career. 
One more question here. Nobody's perfect. So if you had to say one thing for Kirby to take it for the next five, six years to get back over as a head coach, what would you say he needs to improve on to make sure he keeps that longevity going? Well, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that needs to really be improved upon. I mean, the thing's working pretty good, right? The one, I guess, kink in the armor was his handling of quarterbacks, right? Like that was the one thing that everybody killed Kirby on is that he mishandled, well, in people's eyes and not in my eyes. I think he was put in a difficult situation and it's hard to kind of go away from a guy that got you this close to a championship. So people could say, well, he, he has mismanaged quarterbacks. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that was something that people used against him. Say, well, Justin Fields was better than Jake Fromm. He should have started over Jake Fromm. Well, Justin Fields couldn't process, and Justin Fields scanned the field and didn't get the ball out on time and made poor decisions and needed to have everything else around him perfect for him to be as accurate with the football as he needed to be. Whereas Jake Fromm was a really good player, not the ceiling that Justin Fields has. No, heck no, not even close, but a really effective, very efficient, understood how he fit within the offense type of player. So he got criticized for playing Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Well, then he got criticized for playing Stetson Bennett over JT Daniels. And then JT Daniels got hurt. He put Stetson Bennett in. Stetson Bennett starts to get hot and get better and better and better throughout the 21 season. He stuck with him, and people were really critical of that because they thought JT Daniels was going to be what they needed to get over the hump to beat Alabama to ultimately win the school's first national championship. Well, he was right on Stetson Bennett, and now has been proven even more right on Stetson Bennett here in 22. So I think that was the one thing that people would have been critical of him for. Not sure it's totally fair, but let's just call it what it is. People were using that as a low-hanging fruit argument. So uh, I'm not sure there's much to improve upon. I think just continuing to do what he's done up to this point, and you don't have to win it every year. Let's just be honest. You don't have to win it every year. But if you're 47 and the goal is to win five or more, you win it every couple of years, every three, every four, every five years, and you coach until you're 70. I like your chances. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, wanted to give you a quick update for those of you that have been kind of tuned into the games and the playoff and everything else. Understandably so, we have two, but we're here to serve all of college football, not just the playoff team. So we're going to take just a couple minutes here. We talked TCU yesterday. We talked Georgia today. Now we're going to talk a little bit bigger picture, if you will, 
Just allow me a moment to just update you on some of the movement that's happened in the portal at the quarterback position. Just a few things that need to be noted. Look, Sam Hartman, formerly of Wake Forest, he's in the portal right now. All signs point to him becoming a member of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but that is not official, but that's the latest that we have right now. Devin Leary has officially chosen Kentucky, formerly of NC State. He's officially going to Kentucky. Interesting decision there from Devin Leary. He had plenty of suitors. He evaluated the entire landscape, and he clearly must have liked what he saw at Kentucky under Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, two years ago, not this past year, and he clearly felt like he put Will Levis in a position to get drafted as high as humanly possible. Maybe Devin Leary feels like he's going to be able to replicate some of that success. DJ Uwe Ungalale has decided to go all the way back to the West Coast, leaving Clemson, now finding a home. Similar colors, just trade out the purple for the black, and you got the Oregon State Beavers. I think this is a really interesting addition for Oregon State. Because look, DJ Uyunglele is not going to be a guy that's going to live and carve you up from the pocket. But if you get him in rhythm with a strong run game and a heavy play-action passing attack, he can certainly push the ball down the field. So I like the fit for him. Couple that with the fact that his brother's going to Oregon. So he's going to have all the he's going to have him and his brother within a close knit group. That to me makes me feel a whole lot better because I know DJ felt at times like he had had some ups and downs emotionally there at Clemson for one reason or another. It's great to know that you have your brother right down the street. That's an awesome addition for Oregon State. Luke Altmyer, formerly of Ole Miss, is now heading to Illinois. Jeff Sims, we told you about this a while ago from Georgia Tech. He's heading to Nebraska. few others that are a little bit interesting. Nick Evers, formerly of Oklahoma, a freshman. Him and Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai, formerly of SMU, both are heading to play for Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Remember, Phil Longo just did amazing things with Drake May at North Carolina. He takes the job under Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. He's gone out and got not one, but two excellent quarterbacks with great upside. You would imagine it'll be Mordecai before he gives way to Nick Evers at some point in the very near future. Mikey Keene's going from UCF to Fresno State. Keaton Slovis heading from Pitt to BYU. By the way, there's a million of these, I might add. It's almost difficult to keep up with. How do we do it? I don't know. We just continue to write things down, and we really rely heavily on our friends at 247, so we appreciate them for that. Drew Pine, formerly of Notre Dame, heading to Arizona State. Graham Mertz, formerly of Wisconsin, heading to Florida. Uh, we also have Jack Plummer, formerly of Cal, and before that, he was at Purdue. Well, he's going back to reunite with Jeff Brom at Louisville, so that'll be interesting enough. Haynes King, formerly of Texas A&M, heading to Georgia Tech. And then finally, because why not? I like this kid a lot. I think he's a good player. I thought they got the short end of the stick last year. Didn't necessarily get put in the best position to succeed, but Emory Jones, formerly of Arizona State, He's heading to Cincinnati. He'll be, hopefully for him, the first quarterback there for the Bearcats under new head coach, Scott Satterfield. So there's, by the way, there's about a thousand more. <laughs> so that, we can't go through all of them right now, but we will take time here in the very near future. I promise you. 
to break these down in their entirety. That's the beauty of the offseason. Right now, we have games coming up just a couple days from now, trophies that are about to be handed out, but we also have some things that we need to keep up our sleeve for the offseason. Those quarterback breakdowns, among many other positions, will be part of the breakdowns as well. Two notable names that are still in the portal. I was going to say three, but Hank Bachmeyer, is he still a notable name? To me, he is. I don't know if you feel that way, but Spencer Sanders, formerly of Oklahoma State, still in the portal right now, and Brennan Armstrong, formerly of Virginia, still in the portal as well. So we'll be interested to see exactly where those two guys end up because I would think, at least when we start to evaluate the portal in its entirety, those guys would be at or near the top if I had to rank the quarterbacks one through one million because there's about a million in the portal. Those two would be a lot closer to one than they would be towards the million. All right, McRoy, quick question on that. And I know we'll hit this later on, but do any of these quarterbacks make their new teams kind of the 2023 TCU version? Somebody who can jump up and not just go from a losing record to an undefeated season, regular season, but like a, a playoff push looking at DJU at Oregon State, are they a, a legitimate CFP contender next year? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, obviously the league is is real, but with Washington bringing back what they bring back, SC bringing back what they bring back, now Cam Rising after he got banged up in the Rose Bowl game, is there a possibility that he returns knowing there's probably going to be quite a while before he's able to participate and, and put his best foot forward for NFL scouts? Maybe he decides to come back. Uh, I think the guy that could make the biggest difference, but it's not going to be exclusively because of him, is Shador Sanders uh, at Colorado. If you look at everything that Colorado had, they were one of the worst teams in America, but they could flirt with bowl eligibility next year. Some people say in 10 wins. I don't know if I'd go that far. But Shador Sanders, huge step up in competition. Huge. From where he was to where he's going, massive step up in competition. But ultimately, the supporting cast that will be around him will also be a significant step up from what Colorado had last year as well. So uh, cautiously optimistic about Colorado for sure. Not going to get too far out in front of my skis and thinking that you know Dion's going to go in there, wave the magic wand, and they're going to win 10. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but if they can get to within striking distance of a bowl game, that'd be a massive step forward. And I think Shador Sanders, with the improvement that he's going to bring to the position over the guys that played it last year, Anything's possible with all the new faces that could be playing for the buffs. Okay, final thought here, and we come to you with somewhat heavy hearts and just still troubled by what we witnessed on Monday night. Damar Hamlin, formerly of Pitt here at the college level, but playing for the Buffalo Bills, his injury that he sustained there on Monday night and just the sheer fear that we all felt as the Americans seeing him fall to the ground and then see him be resuscitated and then put on an ambulance where we've gotten constant reports over and over and over again. Uh, I just want to kind of say that this is a violent sport and, and it's a sport that has provided me with an unbelievable uh, uh, amount of, of resources and, and a lifestyle that I never would have imagined. And, you know, and being able to do things that, that I always wanted to do. And, and we always took the field knowing that there was risk, but we never took the field thinking about that risk. And, and I think that it was a heartbreaking moment for all of us to witness that uh, and to think, man, that could have been any one of us. Uh, he did nothing wrong. And now that we've had some time to reflect, he's just the world's greatest dude. 
And we're all praying and we're all kind of walking through our day-to-day lives without a whole lot of information, but being legitimately shaken by what it was that we all witnessed. And I don't think you have to have played. I don't care if it's you know, high school or, or college or pro or, or if you never played at all, you just like the sport. It, it doesn't matter. Um, to know that that was somebody's son and to know that he was out there playing a game that he loved uh, was tragic. It, it really was. And I just want to close by saying that we're thinking about DeMar. We're praying for DeMar. We're hoping the best uh, for DeMar. We're so incredibly grateful to the Buffalo Bills organization and the Cincinnati Bengals organization for making sure that they did everything humanly possible to make sure that he was put in the most stable position possible prior to getting on the ambulance. And we couldn't say enough prayers about the medical staff at UC Medical Center uh, and the and the helping hand that they're providing and trying to nurse him back to health. So uh, just say a prayer for him today. Um, life is really, really precious. Life is really, really fragile. Uh, and we all play the game because we love it. And we all play the game because it's an awful lot of fun. Uh, we understand that there's inherent risk, but none of us have ever taken the field thinking about the risk that we saw on Monday night. So say a prayer for Damar and his family and for all of his teammates and those that were extremely close to him. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been always so much fun to talk about college football, uh, but it is a sobering reminder of just how dangerous the game, this game is and just how much uh, these players put on the line for our entertainment. And and we just are so moved by the amount of passion that everybody has for the sport, but also very moved by people acknowledging the humanity that exists under each and every helmet and under each and every set and pair of shoulder pads. So we really appreciate you. Please like, rate, and subscribe helps us out. It helps the show out. And we look forward to being back tomorrow, hopefully with more good news about DeMar and hopefully with uh, more information about DeMar and hopefully his recovery as well. For Mark Kubiak and Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. This has been Always College Football presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.